Hello and welcome to the Pete Barter Podcast, where you will join Pete in interviewing top-level thought leaders in education, music, and business, as well as a sneak peek into Pete's thoughts and challenges. This episode is all about... I wanted to inspire people. I wanted to do something that would make a difference to people's lives. So I started um, working on domic programs for people with disabilities. Whatever you are doing right now, keep on doing it and enjoy this episode of the Pete Barter Podcast. So they're just kind of random conversations with some of the most uh, aspiring aspiring and inspiring musicians that I could possibly ever find. And you are absolutely no doubt one of those, Andrew. You're, <laughs> it's so good to see the things that you are doing. And you know, I appreciate you taking the time to want to have a chat with me. It's great. No worries. I'm, I'm just happy to do. Um, I love what I do, and I love being able to do what I do. Perfect. The 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 backstory that most people, if so that my audience isn't all drummers. They're business people. They're music educators. Um, wow. They're music business educators. They're music business people. They're just musicians. So there's a there's kind of a cross pollination of of all the spaces that I play in, which is music education and business. So for the for the people at home, give give them a bit of a backstory on on your your world, your scenario. Okay, well, um, I've been a drummer for thirty six years. Mm-hmm. Okay, I started as a ten year old. My parents got me a drum kit. I think it would be a good form of physical exercise. Um, I have I was born with cerebral palsy, mm-hmm. which affects movement in my arms and my legs. Now, for a drummer, that's a pretty hefty talent. Mm. Um, and my parents thought, oh, the drum kind of be sitting collecting dots within six months. Yeah. Uh, and it just, the last 10 or 15 years, it's just been an absolute roller coaster. Uh, I moved to Melbourne in 92 from Tati and I worked at IT for a long time um, but music was always something that was burning, some desire that was burning and when IT started to sort of dwindle, I decided I wanted to bring my music to the next level, mm-hmm. um, not just playing bands not to do the regular gigs, but I wanted to inspire people. I wanted to do something that would make a difference mm-hmm. to to people's lives. So I started um, working on domic programs for people with disabilities, um, just tapping things on drums and like getting them to make noise and interact with each other. And they had a ball, like the first one I did was back in 2004 uh, for Cerebral Party Alliance. And they, um, kids just absolutely loved it. Uh, In 2013, I had my first trip to the United States. Now I've had four now. But the first trip, I went out to learn a program called TRAP, mm-hmm. the Rhythmic Arts Project. Okay. Um, there was a three-day training seminar in Santa Barbara in California. Mm-hmm. And basically TRAP is teaching someone with an intellectual disability to read, count, spell, using basic life skills, using hand drums and different percussion instruments, yeah. just counting things out. And um, I've been doing that here around Sydney when I can. Uh, since I've had a few really successful clients that have keep, kept getting me back. Mm-hmm. Although lately, NDIS uh, has sort of killed off a lot of stuff yeah. because funding's not out there like it used to be. You're telling me about that. Um, it's no good. Yeah. I've um, 
I've lost about half a dozen students in the last six months because they've all got in the IS packages. I teach drums from my house, mm -hmm. but it's not specifically a drum lesson. Yeah, yeah. It's more about um, social inclusion. Yep. Yep, I understand. Showing someone what they can do. Yeah, that's right. There's a lot of places that will tell... what they can do, not... Yeah, that's right. There's a lot of places around that tell people what they can't do, um, which, you know... And I have this thing that I do with my students, and I work with students with disabilities and, and, and without, and sometimes it's the ones without that don't progress as fast, to be honest with you, because they don't have, they don't have anything to prove. They don't have anything to overcome. They already think they're winning. Yeah. But, but they don't put any effort in. And then I work with like my like Jacob, you know, he, he to him he, he doesn't have a disability and he just does what he does because he loves it. But there's other students that that definitely have a disability and they they definitely definitely like to prove the whole world wrong. In, yeah, in, exactly. I know, I know it is. And uh, I had a conversation with uh, a beautiful singer called Rachel Leacar. Uh, her podcast will be up in a moment. Uh, hers, I know, Rachel. Yeah. yeah, so her podcast is actually the one I did just before yours. So hers will be the next, the, the podcast previous to this one. She, oh. she, um, and she come up with this. Well, I don't know if she come up with it, but we kind of talked about it. She's got tunnel vision. Like her, her disorder is sort of like having tunnel vision, which I thought that's actually mm. quite. Perfect, because you can then focus on the thing in front of you. You don't get distracted yeah. by everything around you. And yeah. she, she's just a beautiful, amazing, talented singer that's so well connected and is there to help yeah. the lives of others. And when you're a, a non-disabled, sorry, a normal able-bodied person, I think there is some level of arrogance with that. With me, you know, being one of those people is I, you know. I, there should be no barrier for, for my learning. Yeah. But we put them I've on always, ourselves. I've always thought people, able-bodied people, take the most simple things for granted. Mm, yeah. Um, I have students that can't get the hi-hat together or they get the kick and the snare happening, yep. but they can't join the hi-hat together. Mm. Like, I'm like, that's fine. That's good. That's a really major achievement. Yep. Um, a lot of people without disabilities would think, oh, that's only a really minor thing. Mm. But for someone with a disability, like, say, a very severe case of autism, I had a kid coming to me recently. Um, he couldn't speak. He was very nonverbal, mm -hmm. but he would sort of point you or yep. make little noises. And I had him play kick, snare, kick, snare, and then feels around the tom. And like the look on his face, I got this. Yeah, that's uh, amazing. That is the best feeling. Yep. Um, the only thing, the only rule I've got when I teach, the word can't stay outside the front door. Yep, perfect. Absolutely, man. I love it. There's uh, a couple of guys that I teach, or a couple of schools that I teach at, uh, I've ended up doing this big uh, whole school workshop, not just for the drummers, but for the whole entire school, about I can't because they say I can't, and then I'll go, okay, let's 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 figure out why you can't. Give me give me all the reasons why you can't, and we list them out on the board. Like this is, there's a there's obviously an end result to this. We shouldn't really dwell on the can'ts, but the way I do it is I can't because blah 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 blah. Here are all the reasons why you can't. Now let's yep. look at look at the opposite of that word. Is that achievable? I can't yeah. because I can't reach the hi hat or I can't coordinate. But they're all yeah. they're all abilities. You can do these. You just can't do it yet. So well, and, and another I, thing that I another thing that I work on is I um, how can I? So how can I do it? And can I is an acronym for constant and never ending improvement. Hmm. So you got to kind of how can I do what I need to do? How can I get to achieve that that groove, that pattern, that feel, that speed, that technique? How can I? And the the answers are the opposite of what they've just told me they can't do. 
So yeah, yeah. No, um, I agree with that. I found myself. So many people tell me, "Oh, you couldn't possibly do this." All yeah. um, through my life, I've had, "Oh, you couldn't be a Tory drummer. You couldn't be doing this. You couldn't be doing that." I've been playing cover bands. I've been um, playing over in the other side of the world. I'm doing all this stuff that everybody said I couldn't do. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, opening that, that was one of the biggest um, buzzers that anybody could ever ask for. It's all that clip, fantastic. Um, that um, I am involved with an organization to Don Pimolaro uh, called Candy Musos. Mm-hmm. And I pretty much run it from my office here in, in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have 270 musicians from 30 countries, all living with a disability. Yeah. The word, the word there, the word there is perfect. They're living with a disability. They're yeah. living. They live life no, to the fullest. No, they don't have a disability. It means they're living. They're yes. Doing yes. I've always said talent comes before disability. Mm. Yep, talent and passion. Um, and then proved that we had nine people from four countries performing on the main stage at NAM. Perfect. And um, it was just amazing. Yeah. Have you seen the videos? I have. Yeah. I've seen the clip. Yet to go to NAM. That's uh, definitely on my list. You know, we're building our little platform, you know, Sammy, which is our, our student administration management, which is our little platform that we're building, and that's our... That's kind of our uh, our reason to go over is to share that with, with the musicians and the educators of of uh, NAM, which is yeah. you know, people from all over the world. So that's something we're really aiming to do. Not this year, next year, maybe this year. Uh, I yeah. mean, not not this next one. When is it? It's in it's in November, isn't it? No, it's no, in, it's in January. January. Yeah, look, yeah maybe it's in doable. It may be doable next year. Mm. It's a bit of a process. To, to, we need to take something with us. It's not just a matter of going over and shaking everybody's hands. We need to go. The over weather was weather was pretty brutal over there this time. Was it? Been been uh, winter. Mm. Been winter time. Um, I've never seen rain like it. Yeah. Like this is this is my third man. Did you have your um? Not, did you have any snow? Was it ice and snow on the ground? No, um, not in LA, not, but up on the mountains. You can so you didn't need your snow up. chains, snow chains on the wheels of your, no. <laughs> your wheelchair. Yeah, nearly that's a did a big, dom, nearly, a big pick. Nearly did when I was a dom play. Yeah, I went to March 2013 when we put Candy Museum together. Mm-hmm. We all, my dog, Dom, um, David Segal. Yep. And Mike Mignana. Yeah. We got together for a meeting at Dom's studio in New York. Mm-hmm. It was snowing outside, minus two oh. degrees. And, um, but Dom kept us warm with coffee and um, whatever. Um, Humor. And basically, nice. we flew around for four hours. Yeah. Trying around ideas of what we, how we wanted to make a difference. Um, the frustrations in our own music careers. Yeah. Um, not being able to get gigs. What's your biggest frustration, uh, Andrew? What's what has been or is your biggest frustration? I know that we're all um, right now. We're saying that we have no disability. We're humans. We're we're superhumans, and there's no stopping us. There's no stopping us. My, what slows you biggest, down? My biggest frustration is these bands that have got these phobias against wheelchairs. Yeah. Right. Uh, I have also played in a few bands where I've been the gimmick. Mm, right. And how do you feel about that? I'm going to wheelchair, I'll be on. I can't stand it. Yeah. Uh, I'm a drummer because I play drums. Yeah. And nothing to do with being in a wheelchair or yeah. having cerebral palsy. Even if I didn't have cerebral palsy, it most likely I'd still play drums. Yeah, yeah, of course you would. Um, so I'm, what we're trying to do with Candy Musos is show that musicians with a disability are no different to anybody else. No. 
we had just as much talent. Um, and yeah, uh, we put enough as much passion, if not more, into creative music. Yeah. Yeah. And played it man with played it man with Mark Offy. Mm-hmm. He's a brilliant guitar player. Yeah. He's got he got no arms. Right. The, yep, I've seen him. Yep, there's a heap of YouTube clips on that guy. He's just phenomenal. He he plays with his feet and it's just absolutely incredible. He doesn't he plays with Again, his heart. Got- he plays with his heart. That's where music is that's where music is created. Of course, sometimes, yeah. you know, having the ability to express our heart, not our art, yeah. but express our heart through our limbs makes it yeah. easier. But if we don't have limbs and we don't speak yeah. and we don't, even like yourself, we don't have 100% control over our limbs, it's still yeah. music is in our heart and that's where it comes from. However it gets to the instrument is completely irrelevant. However it gets yeah. from your heart to my ears is irrelevant. That's, that's one thing I've always said with my teaching as well. I teach to play music for the song. Mm-hmm. Teach to feel the song. Yep. To have it come from your heart, not from a book. Yep. Yep. You can't teach rhythm from a book. No. no. You can you just show plenty of exercises, but until you get it, you'll never get it. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a number um, so of students. I, Sorry, you, go on. I teach people using play-along tracks mm-hmm. and teach them how to actually feel what's going on in the soul. Yeah. Um, basically try and help them. If they, um, I suppose a lot of my lessons turn into a music therapy type mm-hmm. um, session as well. Yeah, right. Where um, we're playing songs that are popular or their favourite songs. Yep. And you've got to help them try and find how they feel about those songs mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how they interpret it on the drum kit. Yep. Yeah, it's so important to. Well, I've had a number of students that have come to me from other teachers. I'm not saying that I'm better teacher than them, but. I've had a lot of students that come to me with a folder full of grooves and patterns and rudiments and I'm like, great, all right, well, let's just start by you playing. Let's just, I want to hear you play. And they can't play without reading the dots on the page. I'm like, yeah. no, 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 don't, don't, don't read it. Just, just play. Like I take the book away and they're like, what do you want me to play? I'm like, the frick, play the freaking flute. No, play the drums, but play, yeah. just play, just play. How long have you had lessons for? Oh, I've had lessons for three years. Well, then just play. He goes, well, I don't know what to play. Mm. You don't know what to play after three years? So that's, mm. where, that's where music still needs to have a big creativity injection into the teaching side of it. Yeah. Um, all of the world's best teachers, particularly and especially Dom, is amazingly technical and can do amazing things, but he, his solos and his free interpretation of what he does on the drum kit is creativity yeah. at its best, and that is not taught so much these days. People go through university, yeah. and I'm going to generalize, of course, but people go through university to get their degree so they become accepted into the world of music. I'm like, that's shit. You don't even need a degree to play music. You don't even need fucking arms <laughs> to play music. You know, could you imagine yeah. Could you imagine any of your disabled friends with no limbs, no arms, any kind of disorders going to apply for a university degree? They'll, they oh, will say they wouldn't. They wouldn't get in, and they would, the yeah. universities would simply say, "Sorry, you, you 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 can't play music because you don't have the fingers to articulate the jazz chords that we're going to be teaching you." That kind of thing. I'm like, well, that, that that would be shit, and I'd actually be very interested to see how that would pan out if Candu Musos were to go to apply to a university to see to see what. What would happen? Because universities are there to inspire and to engage and to share the the world's love of music. But when yeah, they're shut I, down, I, I was actually I was actually looking into doing a um, drumming degree of some sort, probably about ten or fifteen years ago. Yeah, and I sort of looked at it all and sort of talked to a few people, and then I realised I've got a hope in hell of getting into any of this. 
Yeah. Mm. Well, that was your um, perception. Would you? Yeah. What if they took? What if they took you in? How would you have felt then? Would have been cool. Like I would have um, done my best to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I thought you would. Have, you if if you were given that situation, you would nail it. One of my good friends, you'd know Pete Drummond quite well. I did a, a chat with him a couple of weeks ago. Pete Drummond, know, yeah. yeah. So Pete Drummond, he um, he was going to go through university and do drum stuff, and he went, "Well, look, I feel like it's going to be a waste of my time driving to uni, sitting in lectures, and stuff I didn't want to know about." So he literally put himself through, and you can hear him talk about this in my podcast. He put himself through the process. But in his own way, the process would be, all right, so I'm officially going to uni at 9 o'clock today. He went and sat on his drum kit and he played all sorts of crazy technical abilities. So he developed his ability over the course of a day, weeks, months, years. So by the end of his uni graduating, he was doing some of the most complex but soulful and, and articulated drum stuff. And he plays to music as well, not just crazy drums. And he did all this by just having the right mental approach to doing it, not having to go to uni for the answers. He created the answers within his own little home studio and his own, his own setting. So like, I've never been to uni. I'm not knocking it. I can't knock it because I haven't been. Uh, a, lot of my, a lot of my educators that have gone through our music education program that teach for me as contractors, 50% have gone through uni, the other half obviously haven't, and it makes no difference to the person they are, it makes a big difference to what they teach, but I still have to show them how to teach, it's not what you teach, it's how you teach it, Yeah, and and no matter how crazy technical you are, if you try and teach your most technical thing because you think it's cool, you try and teach that to a 10-year-old, you're going to lose them because they're going to get frustrated. Very rarely you're going to get someone that picks it up and runs with it, but you need to work with them and nurture them and, and start at the beginning and teach them to love the passion of learning, not just the passion of the instrument. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. Glad um, you agree. <laughs> I thought my train of Yeah. Uh, that, that's cool. So, tell me a bit about your um, your. Uh, I guess you started playing drums at ten. What what bands were you in bands at that point, or how long did it take you before you went? All right, I need to start getting into bands. And then, how was the world's reaction to that? I started jamming with some friends at school when I was about thirteen or fourteen. Okay. We absolutely sounded like crap. We had a lot of fun. <laughs> that's great. Absolutely, on Nirvana. Um, and, um, like, I was into, um, I was getting into bands like Kiss, uh, Peter Chris, Eric Harwood. Yep. Um, then, like, it went on to Phil Rudd from ACDC. Yeah. Um, Ian Pace from Deep Purple. Mm-hmm. But I suppose I wasn't so much listening to just the drummers, I was listening to the bands themselves. Yep. And really getting into that sort of sound. Um, that's what I'm gonna say. I've always thought the best way to learn music is by playing with yeah. others. Yeah, yeah. Getting out there, doing gigs, playing um, the Friday Saturday night gigs. Yep. Um, that's how I learned. Uh, a lot of the time when I was younger, um, going to jam nights or um, just playing with friends. Sometimes being thrown in as a deep end. Um, driver can't make it to a geek and yep. come and sit in for us. Perfect. Um, yep. Half the time you don't know the songs. That's it. Yeah, they're, the, <laughs> they're, they're my most favourite say favourite um, favourite gigs. I do a lot of fill in here in Adelaide. There is probably uh, you know three or four, maybe five regular bands that I fill in for this studio session for, and then. The, Usually I say call me last, like I'm, I'd love to do it, but there's a lot of things that I'm doing. I'm family, I've got, you know, and the sort of money that's around in Adelaide, you know, if I was doing it for the money, I wouldn't, but it's still going to be worth my while because, you know, we're professional and mm. we've put our life into getting to this point. And they've called mm. me because clearly they know that I'm able to do the job. Maybe I've already done it or I'm doing it for them the first time, but I, mm. I tell them to call me last and for a number of reasons. 
So they, they call around and they might get someone else in that might suit the gig better. They might give the opportunity to someone who wants it, you know, um, who needs it or wants it more to do more playing. Mm. Um, or, um, but they, they might find that there was no one else available. So then I've, I already know the songs, most of them, because I may have done the, sh- the, 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 the gig before. There might be... Yeah maybe five songs that are new that I have to just quickly listen to. And I usually do that on the way to the gig just by listening to the track. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the second reason that I asked them to call me last is I know that they've got close to the gig and they've got no other option. So then my fee is what I said it was going to be at the beginning and they know what I charge, that I've given them the opportunity to find someone that's going to be able to do the gig and charge less. And they've come unstuck. Other bands have come unstuck where they've got someone that's able to do it cheaper but then gave them problems on the night and that and so you know as a professional musician part of my professional attitude means let someone else do the gig if you if you think that they'll be right for it but if you really think it's me call me back later and i'll do the gig mm. for you but you know I'm a, fam- I'm a father of three i've got a busy mm. business life and and doing a gig on a saturday night somewhere in adelaide is probably going to take me out you know from Six o'clock in the afternoon till two o'clock in the morning. You know, if you yeah. if you charge an hourly rate for that, you just wouldn't <laughs> you wouldn't even calculate mm. it. But you do a lot of it for fun. I love doing weddings. Weddings are cool. Weddings mm. are good because it's more relaxed. You're not setting up, and people aren't necessarily um, going out just to get drunk. They're out. They're partying with their friends, mm. and we're helps helping a a situation, helping an event become more eventful. So I love I'm doing weddings. A, um I planned a big um, Italian birthday party a little while ago. Yeah, party and town. And that, that was just like like a wedding, basically. Yeah, that's huge, man. And they hire out, they hire out a back room with a, a local club. Yeah. Hire a cover band. And um, they probably couldn't make the gig. So they ring me and they do five words to come and do this. Mm-hmm. I knew most of the songs. Yeah. But every now and then, the singer would turn to me and he goes, um, we're going to do this. Do you know it? Oh my god! Probably. Not really, but we'll wing it. We'll get through. Yeah, perfect. Within the third, within the third two bars of the song, yeah, I've got locked in. Yeah, yeah. And people say to me, "How do you do that?" And like, this comes with experience. Mm, yes. Yep. Yep. Comes with experience. That's it, and it comes with comes with knowing your role, your job. If you'd said no. Then they go, oh, well, we have to find another song. And then there becomes these stupid conversations that I see a lot of bands have on stage where they, mm. they're like, I don't know what song. What should we do? I don't know. Do you know this one? And then there's a band meeting between every song. I just say, mm. do you know it? Yeah, I know it. Might know it enough, you know. And <laughs> as, long, as long as if it's in 4-4 time and, you know, there's some eyeballs around the stage as we're playing, then I'm happy. You know, let me know if there's any stops coming up by just, you know, the whole guitar neck. Talk me through it, you know. So, for example, the best gigs that I've ever done have been when the crowd have been yelling out, do you guys know this or do you know that? Yeah. Um, one gig I did, uh, K-10. Mm-hmm. We've, we've never played it before, you know, lots of, I've never actually played it, which yep. is surprisingly the covers gig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and... Um, Yep, sure enough, we we winged mm-hmm. it, and we got through it. Perfect. I loved it. That's great. That's so good. Yeah, it's it's definitely a special <laughs> song that one. Everyone loves that one. The hardest part for that uh, on that one, uh, what I think, and I'm not a singer, I'm not a guitarist, but I think the hardest part is definitely the vocal story that's told. It's it's a novel. Yeah. It's a very yeah. epic vocal song. Um, drums, yeah. drums is just a rock beat the whole way through it. But you know, you, you gotta yeah. you gotta be able to hold that the whole way through, it. and it's it's a solid groove. And don't think that you're gonna chuck a fill in every four bars because you'll get shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And numbers uh, these days is um, Ringo is just such a very simplistic player. Yep. But um, just. Great chorus, solid. Yeah. And he's one of the most underrated drummers in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's just keeping it straight. Some of the old Beatles. 
just keep it straight. Keep it straight. You know, the uh, Steve Gadd said that you don't you don't get money for the bills with the with the fills. So you can't pay your bills yeah. with the fills. People don't dance to fills. I've never seen yeah. anybody dance at a Virgil Donati gig. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I've definitely seen people dance at a Terrapi Richmond gig. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's he's definitely one of my biggest influences. I, I love him. He's he's a great. He's a good brother, and he. I actually played with Terrapi once at um, a Roland festival nice. here in Sydney. Fantastic! And he's an amazing drummer. And um, I was part of an All Star Jam at the end of the gig. Yeah. Because um, I did a bit of a clinic for Roland earlier in the day, mm-hmm. and. There was myself, Terrapi, uh, Michael Shack. Yeah, great. Um, Gary France, and um, 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 someone, someone else. Chris Wynn, Chris Wynn, the play for um, Dice Tracks. Right. And they were just amazing, like the share stage with those guys. Yeah, and here we were all on um, electronic kits and yeah. um, and octopads and stuff. And yeah, yeah. I remember. Um, I remember doing that. There was an expo here in Adelaide years ago. It hasn't. It's only ever happened once. It was called Big Boys Toys, and um, uh, Roland had their booth set up, and it was all electronic drum kits. And Yanya Boston was playing on one of the one of the kits, and that was the first time I met Yanya, and and I jumped up and played. Um, on the drums, I was probably about nine or ten. Just started getting lessons, and you know everybody had their own headphones on. And then when yeah. they can kind of see that I had some 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 skill, at a, for, you know, at that point, and then yeah. someone else might have some skill, and then they they mixed everything through to a front of house. So we'd all start yeah. playing, you know, to an audience. But until he until I think it was Simon Aiton was on the drums, like managing that as well. But yeah, electronic yeah. kit is crazy, man. They're such a good thing. Um, Terrapi Richmond's definitely the reason I play drums today, and I've said that in many of my post podcasts. I saw him play when I was younger, and my style is somewhat developed to be similar to his. I, I hope. Well, I don't do it on purpose, but I just love playing his stuff. In fact, Terrapi got me to do a gig here in Adelaide that he couldn't do um, at one point. So that was. The biggest, you know, pat on the back for me. Terrify, terrify is such a cool groove. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, he, he plays with a lot of feel. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I did a gig at the Opera House once about well, 10 years ago, I think, right. with Ross um, with mm-hmm. um the guitarist of Daddy Cool. Right, nice. And uh, with a band from Melbourne called Bipolar Band, they're all people with... <laughs> They're all people with mental health issues. Right. And the Rods was their band mentor. Mm-hmm. But to get on the stage and play with Ross was just absolutely amazing. Crazy. Because he plays, like I said, he plays from the heart. He plays with feel. He plays with style. Right. He doesn't just get up there and play guitar. He plays everything your brain has meaning to it. That's fantastic. With um, And I just love being there with you. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And the drumming community is definitely a tight-knit community. And, you know, I know that they probably use guitar tight-knit and bass and whatever, but, you know, I'm involved in the drum one and I'm extremely thankful and I love the fact that the community is massive and yeah. every band needs a drummer, you know, and we're all there to share our <laughs> ideas and share what we know and... and you know, embrace the lot, whole... I've, um, I've been, like, uh, very lucky to have a lot of support through the Australian drumming community. Yeah. Um, as a whole, uh, Drum Team magazine has been absolutely amazing the last, like, last 10 years that I've, like, been starting to build up my career. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played at the Drummers Weekend when I played with Dom and Mike Minona yeah. in 2009. And we had, I don't know if you've been to a Dom's weekend. Yeah, of course. The big auditorium, we had everybody in the room, 500 wow. people standing up at the end of it. Wow. Um, and it was very emotional because it was something that was so built up. And then we thought, we've done this. 
Mm-hmm. We got me. Yeah. You know that I got this thing that I talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, that feeling was definitely going through that. And I think that's what originally sparked the idea of Can You Music. Right. Because all three of us ended up becoming involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's great. So looking I, looking forward, um, what are your what are your immediate goals for this year or next? Um, I'm trying to get some more overseas work. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm um, I'm probably going to take a break from NAB for a year or two. Mm-hmm. I've just done three NAMs in a row, so sort of, it'd be nice to just take a sit back and let somebody else yeah. uh, have, a, have a go in there. Does, it rep- does someone else to represent like you do? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, that, that's what we'll, we'll get someone that can go and do that. Um, where, because usually what we've been doing is having a time at NAM where we it's a discussion panel yep. where we sit around talking about our disability, their music, and how we move, how we get to where we are. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, and um, I am also looking at 10 years ago, I had a DVD that was released for an American filmmaker. Okay. And it only had 15 minutes and but it got reviews worldwide. Right. Through Rhythm Magazine in the UK, through Drum in the US, yep. and Drum Team here. Yep. Now, I've decided now is the time to create a new DVD, but it's going to be one hour long. Mm-hmm. It's going to include um, my background of my musical journey. Yep. The clips from various gigs, um, the equipment I use, yeah. how I sit, different techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be part inspirational, part tutorial. That's um, right. And I'm going to produce it all myself okay. because I, I do the Candy Music TV show and the radio show on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Technology just makes it so much easier. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think you should definitely take something out of Mark Shulman's book and Dom's book and do any uh, – write a book. So, like, yeah. you don't have to physically write. I'm in the process of writing a book right now. Um, yeah. And you never know, some of this information you've just given me might end up in that book. I'll let you know if it does. Um, well, my wife Jen been hassling me about writing a book as well. So yeah, well, my partner um, Michelle, she's just finished writing her second book. Her third uh, book's getting published by an extremely massive publications company. And like writing a book doesn't mean writing. Yeah, I'm thinking mine will be a visual story where people can actually see what I'm doing, see how I do things. Yep. Um, see what I've achieved. Yeah. Because you can write, you can write pages and pages and pages and stuff. Yep. And not ever get read. But you know what? A book uh, with the community that you've got becoming an international bestseller is definitely, uh, you know, I think that would be totally achievable with the community that you've got. I will buy your book if you if you write it, um, and not just from a drumming perspective, but. You know the can-do perspective. You know a drummer with cerebral palsy, yeah, like it doesn't even make fucking sense. But you do it. <laughs> but you do it, yeah, and you do it extremely well, and you're extremely passionate about that. And so taking that book concept to schools and sharing mm. that idea with other, you know, young kids that have the "I can't, I can't" mentality. Um, mm. You know, and the, the, I think sharing that from a stage. Have, just by having a book doesn't mean that it's going to work for you, but it's probably the world's best business card to give to anybody. Yeah, yeah. you know, and you get to write published author next to your stuff, and 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 when you have a book and it's been accredited as international bestseller, you know that's other people giving you accreditations. Do you know the John Gray Men Are From Mars books? You know, world popular. Um, he 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 wasn't Doctor John Gray. 
until that book went viral and he got his doctorate based on the the information that he put in that book. So that book was handed up as his thesis that became uh-huh. that made him Dr. John Gray. But while he wrote the book, he was just some guy with some ideas. Um, yeah. And that, that one book has become a huge franchised model all over the world. Yeah. In America in particular, it's got – um, it's got uh, family coaching, it's got relationship mentoring, all based on the men are from Mars philosophy, which mm. is just his thought on, on, gee, why are men different to women? And he put a book mm. together and that book has gone, it's, that book makes $40 million a year still. Mm. You know, and, and well, I've recently finished reading uh, Mark Shulman's book. Yeah, that's great. What about the, the um, what's it, um, Nerve, how to handle nerve, those guys. Nerve breakers. And because I do a lot of a bit of public speaking as well, yep. I find a lot of his stuff I can actually relate to what's happened on stage, what's happened on Yeah. Yep. So it's a Definitely. really, really good book for anyone to go on. And you know what? I reckon if you were to write your book, people will relate with you, like you've just related with Mark. Mark's yeah. a human. You're a human. I'm a human. We're all humans. We've all got stories to tell. Mm. Some have a better way of telling it than others, and you've got a great story, brother. And I really reckon you should you should get on that. Um, yeah, look, I can put you in contact with some publishers that might take you on, that might not. But you know, there's there's a whole world of self publishing now, which is totally doable. You mm. you don't even have to write the book. I'm not writing a damn word in my book. I'm verbalizing it. <laughs> so I have uh, like my story, my header. And I have my chapters written around the board thing on around the walls on big post-it notes, and I have my dot points for each chapter. And I literally talk about that point, verbalize it. I talk it out, and that that MP3 gets sent off to be transcribed. Someone types it out into text. Then it goes to my ghostwriter, who is making it sound a bit more like readable. Then it goes to an editor, who takes care of all the spelling and the grammar and all that sort of stuff. And then that's that's like that's a chapter. I don't have to yeah. say, I don't write anything. I literally, I'm not writing a damn thing. In this this yeah. podcast, uh, actually, I'll prove it to you. This podcast will become transcribed. Every single word that you and I have said will be written into a document in a matter of days. All right. So if you if anyone listening right now is doubting that, then click on my podcast. Click on the information in this podcast, and that'll take you to the link where you can find the full transcript of this this conversation. You know the best the best feeling for me was um and the biggest sense of achievement. Um I've become an orthologist for Pearl, mm-hmm. Children, Vic Firth and Remo. Plug away, brother. And Plug away. <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually I'm actually um I have hours pages on the children, Vic Firth and Remo website. Yeah. And like for me, being a guy in a wheelchair, I think that was a first mm. um, for someone with a disability yep. to be included on any of those websites. Yeah, man, that's um, so good. Well done. And that's a really, really big achievement. So I'm well yep. proud of that. Yeah. So you, you don't have a disability, brother. You know, <laughs> the, the, the government in the world. Dude, I, a funny story. I'm not going to mention any names because I'll get upset, but... Um, uh, well, very well-known drummer was on a tour and a friend of mine was playing guitar in that tour and uh, they were looking for a car park near the venue and they couldn't find a car park. And the guitarist, my friend, he said, just chuck your drumsticks on the dashboard. That'll do it. And then you can park, <laughs> then you can park in a disabled car park. <laughs> they didn't actually talk for the rest of the tour. They caused a bad vibe. you got to have some fun well, that, with it. That, that reminds me of the Seinfeld episode where George... Back in the disabled spot. Yeah, right. Yeah. Come down the One of our really good family friends, uh, he j- recently died. Um, uh, he, You might know him. His name is Lenny Somerville. Lenny Somerville mm-hmm. has cerebral palsy. He was uh, an, an Adelaide iconic guy. He, he had these little towers that he trained. And they did all these crazy magic tricks, like they would drive these little cars and they would do backflips and... You know, mm. they were trained performing dogs, and he was on, uh, he was on travel all over the world doing this stuff, and he was on a couple of shows here in Adelaide, morning shows, and he was a big influence for me too because he was, he had fairly extreme um, 
um, cerebral palsy, and he he just like you know I'm just who I am. It's just I can't fix it. He had polio when he was a kid as well, which really you know screwed him up. He's had like he's got pretty crazy diabetes. Uh, that's and that's the thing that ended up killing him at the end was diabetes. Mm. He was in his little gopher and he blacked out and he ran mm. out in front of some traffic. So it was mm. horrible. Uh, he uh, it was slow moving traffic, just so everyone's not thinking graphic. Mm. But um, yeah, and he was a big influence for me. And and being exposed to his attitude is definitely something that we can all. There's always worse situations in the world, and we think we can't, but we really can. We really, we really mm. can. If one man can, I, we all can. I worked in a camp um, in the Adelaide Hills uh, about um, nine years ago. Right. It's the most amazing camp I've ever been to. Okay. These kids, all young as five, dipping around electric wheelchairs, and it was through um, the Vida. And. Um, they um, all had very severe cerebral palsy, and or some of them were autistic. Yeah. And you put a drumstick in their hand. Because they'll do a workshops all the whole weekend. Yeah. You put a drumstick in their hand, they knew exactly what to do. Um, yeah. There's actually a video of it on my YouTube channel. I'll check it out. It's always this fun. I'll check it out. Seeing these kids. Seeing these kids. With the smile on their face, yeah. Um, because I'm doing this, um, and like a lot of kids, they don't, yeah, they take the easy way out. Yep. They think, oh, I can't do that. And they give up. Yep, they do. They absolutely do, and they then they think, why well, they've never achieved anything in their life because they haven't actually stuck uh, to it, and you know. It's it's so important. I work in a lot of schools, and you work with a lot of kids as well. And the the culture and the industry is changing. But when we when we stop trying to be like our YouTube heroes, and we actually try and be mm-hmm. our own YouTube heroes, mm-hmm. our own be be just who we are, and you know that is enough. That is enough. Mm-hmm. We don't have to be like anybody else. And just be who we mm-hmm. are, and and that is enough. We don't need well, people, any more copycats. People have said to me, who do I play drums like? I play drums like Andrew Hewitt. Yeah, yeah, and I've heard that guy's a legend. <laughs> it's, it's important. Yeah, it's it's so good. And uh, we were at the uh, Drum Scene Live show here with, um, uh, who do we have? It was uh, Jojo Mayer was the main guy. And, and someone said, who do you look up to as a drummer? And he's like, well, I don't really look up to any drummers. Sure, there are great drummers. But I don't try and be like any other drummer because that's only going to make me as good as that drummer. So he looks mm. up to machinery and and technology because you can create a you can create a machine that does things far more effective and faster than a human. So if he yeah. adopts those mental attributes and tries to get around the kit like a machine and using those zero to one percent, um, he's got a TED talk on this as well. The distance between zero and one, like that's his whole talk about it. And yeah, he's amazing, man. And you're amazing, and so good to, to connect with you. Like I said, and uh, I'll be in Sydney in a couple of weeks, and I'll make sure we, we catch up and we get together. Yeah, definitely. It'd be awesome to hang out and, and make some music yeah. and, and do a do a quick video of this. I think. Well, be... you're quite welcome to come out here for jam or film it. Perfect. I'd love to be involved. It'll be so good and. There's definitely a lot of kids that I speak to that need to see what you do and, and see the person you are because there is no freaking can't. It's can. It's just do it. You know, I, yeah. I, I envy everything you're doing. I've always said it's no point sitting around feeling sorry for yourself. Oh, there is. Lots of points. There's uh, definitely a lot of points in doing that. Out, you get out and do it. You can only – your life is how – you control your own destiny. Mm. So, what you do now makes foundations for your future. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. There's no. You said there's no point in in sitting down and whinging. There is if you just want to be. If you want to whinge more and complain more, then whinge more and complain more. <laughs> <laughs> it's no simple. point to that. No. 
Andrew, it's been a pleasure connecting with you. I've got to get this computer back on charge so I can speak to Mark. Um, I'll say hey to him for you. No worries. Tell him what take like. We'll do. Absolutely, man. Legend. So good to chat with you, and thanks for the hookup, man. I appreciate it. I look forward to catching up with you in I am physical terms. I'll give you a massive cuddle. No worries. Before you go, can we get a photo so yeah. I can put it up on Facebook? Let's do it. I want to do the same. I was going to ask you the same. Hey, um, do, you, do you have a website? Where can people find out a bit more about you? Uh, yes, it is www.dramasticsatix.com.au. Okay. All right. I'm not sure. I just need to change the view because I've currently got uh, – uh, I don't know how to do that in this. Mm, I've got my little picture down here. I just smile on the screen cut down. <laughs> All right, let me. You're gonna do a screenshot, are you? <laughs> no, I'm gonna do it like this. This is a. Good Darren Frazier in the background. I'm, I'm not in the big jump. Beautiful. Uh, all right. All right. All good, bro. Appreciate it. Hang on, hang on. No, that didn't work. I'll try again. Where are you? Okay. Is it working? Let's see. Yep, that's it. I'm sending a music page of Pro to do the screen capture. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, good man. Uh, All right, brother. Appreciate the chat. Excellent. Thank uh, you, mate. Bye-bye. See you, man. Bye. We hope you enjoyed Pete's podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, and share with anyone you think will get value. And if you haven't already, head to PeteBarter.com for more Pete Barter content. And remember, do something good for yourself and someone else today. Thanks for listening.